Okay, well, welcome back to the For Many People's Strengths podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jamie Nugabau. We got a special guest, uh, Matt Gourley, but also another special guest on uh, another person, which we will introduce in a second. But first of all, uh, Gourley, thank you for doing this, and sorry about the technical issues we had yesterday. <laughs> That's okay. I'm, I'm feeling sharper today. Perfect. And uh, also on today, it is my own flesh and blood, my brother, Matthew Nugebauer, who is at the game, a proud voyageur, a proud king in the north uh, as well, and uh, a Humber College student at the moment as well. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be back on. Glad to share my thoughts about the, the feels and the, what I saw on the, on the pitch at BMO last, uh, the other night. It was, it was a fun night. I'll put it there. <laughs> Very cool. All right. So uh, we're going to try to keep this. Uh, organized and enjoyable it's always enjoyable it's gonna be enjoyable no matter what um but um yeah we're gonna have a time because cayman's national team had a time on the field uh, on wednesday night against panama as i mentioned matthew was there matthew nugebauer was there um gotta find a way to name you guys differently uh, I'll say Gourley and uh, and Nugs. Maybe we'll go with Gourley and Nugs. Is what <laughs> we'll go good. with. Um, and uh, so I guess we'll we'll start with you, uh, Matthew Nugabauer, Nugs. Uh, I guess before we get <laughs> into the game itself, mm-hmm. uh, I know Gourley and I saw pictures um, about uh, you know hours and hours before about how there was lineups uh, to out the out the door like hours and hours before kickoff and. You know, if, if you're just kind of joining this narrative, um, there was, I guess, some disappointment maybe from Canadian players about the sea of blue of, of El Salvadorians before the match. and kind of put El Salvador in the first window and they wanted Canadian fans to get there earlier and be a bigger presence earlier and everything like that. Uh, so how do you feel like that all went, Matthew? And, and also, how was kind of getting into the stadium in the first place? I mean, that is th- those are multiple stories in and of themselves. Uh, I mean, yeah, people can talk about the the long line snaking in through into the cars into the parking lot, um, going into well into the first half there. I mean, sure, whatever. Uh, to my mind, the bigger story you know, on that front is um, welcome to the future. This is the energy and excitement and attention that Canada soccer fans have craved for this men's national team for decades and. It, it the Wednesday night, it really, really showed up. It was really here. Um, credit to got to shout out now. Credit to Jamie McLeod and the Voyagers leadership for organizing, uh, getting getting all all of us to to show up early. Um, I got there around four p.m. So uh, kickoff was seven thirty. Um, yeah, telling yeah, and and having us camp out a little bit in front of the uh, where the bus was going to be. I think that was John Herbin specifically asked us to do that, and so uh, all in all, a really wonderful occasion of of a relationship that has has finally fully coalesced. I think between the CSA and the Voyagers, and yeah, we showed up. We really showed up in droves. Um, another point to make there is normally at BMO. Uh, the supporters groups have about maybe six or seven drums, maybe around eight drums. We uh, 
spent time before the game putting flags, about a thousand flags into that south end there. And so there were about a thousand drums. It was the loudest I've ever heard BMO Field. And I've been there for big games and uh, those those flags and just the energy and all that sea of red all around the stadium, right? I mean, yes, you could say Panama has red jerseys too, but no, these were Canadian (laughs) fans finally coming out, coming in droves. It was the first game to be fair with a full capacity, I believe. Um, you know, even if TFC had was allowed full capacity, they okay. frankly aren't drawing the same numbers. No. Um, 26,000 and, and almost entirely Canada fans, uh, especially at the, the final drum drum beat at the end, uh, with, with, with Fonzie and also he helped out too. Uh, one last point I do want to make on the story about the atmosphere in the stadium. I do recall a bit of a quieter moment at the end when, Fonzie was making his entirely deserved lap around the stadium. Uh, as Andy Patrillo said, tarps off making his lap <laughs> around the stadium. Um, entirely deserved, entirely earned. The first time we've seen a Canadian men's player earn that and do that in, I mean, the first time I've seen it. Um, and, and it, yeah, it was, it was one of those nights. And that's, this is the story for, for the fan experience. We've been dating Fonzie. We've been dating this men's national team. Uh, I'm sorry, Hattrick, Jordan Heidema. Congrats on the Hattrick. You're going to have to share him now because we are in love <laughs> with this with this player, with this team. And we're, we're uh, I think, uh, you know, we've got lots of work to do. Two big games in Edmonton that I guess we'll talk about. But um, I, I think, I think I, and I know a lot more folks are in this for the long haul on the same night. Just one last point. Leafs had uh-huh. their home opener uh, down the street, and uh, we packed out BMO for the Canadian men's national team. It's again, welcome to the future. Yeah, and obviously people came from you know all over the place. You know, especially Regina, most importantly. <laughs> uh, just kidding, but uh, you know the 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 man himself, uh, Rob, and and uh, the Kelmans, and a bunch of other people, obviously from who people in Regina and. Saskatchewan soccer would know. So, uh, you know, really cool. All right, let's jump in. And Gurley, uh, for, you know, right off the hop, I apologize to Gurley for the technical issues. Gurley and I tried to record this yesterday. It didn't work out. Then I realized that Matthew had, you know, talking about coming on too. So I was like, okay, well, it was, it was all fortuitous that it had all worked out this way. So, you know, po- peeling the curtain back just a little bit. But, uh, Gurley, people are saying this is the best Canadian national team performance ever. Like some people are using that. Is that hyperbole? Uh, it, it, it probably is, but uh, you know, it's it, it's certainly in the conversation. And given the the stakes at hand, um, it was a massive performance uh, when they needed it. Uh, you know, I mean, this, that being said, it was still one one, and you know getting towards 65th minute or whatever. So it wasn't like it was a runaway, but once they, uh, once they took the lead in that amazing moment of magic from Alfonso Davies, they, uh, they'd certainly finished the job pretty quickly as well, which was great to see. I mean, they, they kind of stepped on their throats and they had, uh, Panama reeling, which is, uh, something they're going to need to do. That killer's instinct is great to see, but even falling behind the goal early, that's obviously not the way you want to start. And, uh, that's four, I think it's four times they've given up the first goal so far in qualifying, which um, is also not great, but uh, it was a great response. They, they, they played really well the first half, were firmly on the front foot, even though they didn't uh, 
the score didn't really reflect it. So yeah, really great performance and obviously in a must win match. Yeah. And it did feel like even from the beginning, even though they gave up that goal, like five minutes in and, and maybe Matthew Dukabauer, you can briefly tell us what the, you know, what the mood was like the second Rolando Blackburn's goal went in, but uh, you know, the Matthew was mentioning that it's, it's uh, the uh, anniversary of Canada's two nil win in the, Nations League, which feels over the USA, which feels like a million years ago and seems uh, not that not that consequential. Anyways, we'll get into it. But um, the point that the joke I wanted to make was on that the magical Alfonso Davies goal, the game winner or whatever it was that uh, the the 2-1 goal that the guy who, you know, kind of screwed up for Panama, Harold Cummings, the, the <laughs> center back, he plays in Bolivia for a team called Always Ready. Which is hilarious because he clearly wasn't always ready <laughs> uh, in that moment. Though obviously, always ready is the number one team in Bolivia. Take from that way you will. I don't really know. I'm sure it's great. Yeah, there's some great team, great names in uh, Bolivia. But yeah, Matthew Nugabauer, when when Blackburn's uh, goal went in, just quickly, what was what was the atmosphere like? Did, were people kind of daunted, or did they just cheer louder? What, what was the response then? You know, it's funny. Uh, I think maybe um um. Sorry, in the, the the Honduras game when that happened, we we were the breath we took, had our breath taken out of us. Uh, on Wednesday night, honestly, it wasn't that heavy. It wasn't that we weren't that worried. My main thought: okay, Kamal Miller a bit out of position, but we've bounced back three times before already and gotten at least a point, if not three. Um, we we knew we had the quality. We knew we had the quality going forward. My thought was, okay, we also have the quality at the back. And to the two stories in terms of you know, performances, uh, yeah, well, I, I, we got to talk about Fonzie's individual performance. That to me was the most stunning world-class individual performance by a men's Canadian national team player I've ever seen. Uh, after Kamal getting out of position, he was rock solid. Alistair, of course, my guy, Alistair Johnson, rock solid. Um, Stephen Vittoria, rock solid. Uh, that whole back line you know, kept it together and kept their line and didn't give Panama any further way through, creating the time and the moment for Fonzie to take his time, take his touch. And uh, and again, I do want to go into that moment in a bit, but I, I do want to shout out again the the defensive solidity of this side has been the greatest surprise the most pleasant surprise and uh, one of the most important reasons why I, we're going forward in this, this qualifying competition that, I mean, we, we, again, we have work to do, but uh, my main reason for confidence is that I believe that the defensive question has been answered. So when we go down one, knowing we're going to make the opportunities, we're going to, our defensive line and our, our defensive mids are going to give the attacking core, uh, the time, the energy, and the the effort, and the uh, the opportunity. Yeah, you know it's it is uh, amazing. I mean, watching the game as I was, uh, on, uh, you know, on my computer from the coach's office in Wilcox <laughs> for the Notre Dame Hounds Junior A, um, uh, it kind of felt like the Martinique game. If you guys remember that one at the uh at the gold cup when canada i think canada went one nil down on a mistake by maybe anthony k i think it was and 
Um, and but I didn't. I never felt like there was really like danger. Like it felt like it was. It was just you know Canada coming in waves. But uh, mm-hmm. you know it. It uh, it didn't really. It really felt like it was. It was kind of uh, from the start. But um, you know Gurley and I. We and you know, we got into that goal. I was joking about that. that Cummings mm-hmm. wasn't ready. <laughs> he was always ready. But uh, you know Gurley. You know you don't see too many human beings on earth you know make a 40 50 yard run whatever it was like that and then take it away from a guy and then have the the gas in the tank to to take a couple chops and then and then throw it near post like that was that was a special goal from Fonzie wasn't it before we get to Fonzie's goal I want to go back to the first goal a little bit and I think uh, I thought Herdman playing Fonzie as kind of a free role in playing off of Johnny David was a was a really smart idea. It limits kind of how much distance he's going to have to cover. Obviously, he and Jonathan David have played three matches in a row at this point. But um, they, you know, it was a 3-5-2, but it was really more of a 3-1-4-2. And I think with the good start, Larray and Buchanan really kind of got sucked up the pitch. And on the goal, obviously, Buchanan was back, but Larray was not. And so when Kamal Miller, who was an aggressive player, um, aggressively closed down Persanis. There was just absolutely no one there to track Murillo's run. And so mm-hmm. I feel a little bit bad for Miller because he got caught out of position. But yeah, at the same time, um, you know, without the two holding mids, there's just not much cover there. And so when they switched back to the 4-4-2, I think that really solidified our shape a lot better. And I thought that was a, an important change. And obviously in the 65th, I guess, when when mm-hmm. Kay and Atakubi came in and switching Alfonso Davies to the right, um, paid off instantly and you know makes Herbin look like a genius. But yeah, as, as you sort of said, the the thing that really struck me with the goal, I mean, you know, the technique to keep the ball in, the the aggressiveness to decide to take the shot instead of not trying to find the pass to Buchanan, which was probably on at certain points. Um, just the mentality to go after that ball is what really stands out to me with that goal. Um, because as we said, you know, he's played three matches in, in a week. He's coming off a Champions League game. He played a league game with Bayern right before he flew out. Um, he has to be tired. And it was, you know, it looked like a no-hope ball. You know, 40 yards away, it's going out of bounds, and he still puts in the effort. And, you know, that's something that I've always loved about Alfonso Davies from day one. You know, you can see the skill, you can see the speed. But the mentality and the toughness and the grit and the 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 desire – those intangibles have always been so good with him. And, you know, Lord knows we've seen some pretty talented players who didn't have any of that. And if you don't have it, you don't become great. And I think those are some of the little intangibles that make Alfonso Davies as special as he is. Yeah, I mean, he just really wanted that uh, that text message from uh, Drake. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not tracking that story. Drake, I guess, partied with a couple of the men's national team players after the game. Do you, Do you guys care? I don't care. I mean, I'm happy for I'm happy for uh, for the team to to get the publicity I, of, of Drake. I don't know. I, I have I have a thought on Drake. I I'm gonna throw this out there. I think I'm overthinking this because, I mean, obviously he jumps on bandwagons and whatever else. And, you know, he's probably a little bit problematic in some ways, but he's maybe the most famous Canadian out there. Certainly between him and Ryan Reynolds, I don't think anyone else has more <laughs> sort of star power. I think Drake and is more for, is the most famous Canadian on earth. I don't think there's any question. But yeah, well, go ahead. I mean, how many followers does he have compared to Fonzie is another question. But <laughs> for, for these young guys, for especially, you know, guys that play, play soccer you know drake might be their guy and in a a recruitment way 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's value there in, in a weird way. Like if you're a Daniel Jebison and you're playing in front of a hundred mm. people with England U19s and you're thinking, I could have been partying with Drake last week. Like, you know, I think <laughs> yeah. that, that's yeah. cutting in your head a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, when the pressure's on from Bashiktas about not going and, you know, I, I think it's just a small thing, but I think in those ways, it's like the, they can feel the momentum building and, you know, those mm-hmm. moments. That's kind of a cool thing to remember forever. I mean, I I wouldn't care about meeting Drake, but I think, you know, you look at all the guys that posted the Instagram and stuff. I think this is a really cool mm-hmm. thing for them and they deserved it. And they're getting a little bit of taste of that spotlight. And I think Canada soccer is kind of coming into its own and having a bit of a moment. And I think as sort of silly as it is and all the talk about the Drake curse and whatever else, I think having him slightly associated with the team is actually quite good for this group. Well, we, the, and the Raptors won the NBA, right? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, 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 it's broken. Right? guy and he won, so I don't know. It's broken. Yeah. It's broken. I mean, here's the thing. And, and, and then, that's a great point about uh, the prestige globally and these players in, in England and Turkey. Uh, what about folks here in Toronto and in, in Vancouver and Montreal and wherever uh, throughout the country who. And the most important city, Regina. Regina, Saskatchewan, of course. Who would maybe would have been rather be at the Leafs game, maybe thinking of going to the Raptors game. And I don't not saying there has to always be a competition between the two. There can't be, right? Um, but on Wednesday night, there was a practical competition between the two. Uh where was Drake's focus? I mean, I'm sure he was probably catching some of the Leafs game, but um the public focus for him was was with Fonzie and the, the national team. Uh that's what I'm getting at with the whole. Canada is in love now that we are finally relevant as the top sports story, at least for a night and you know, hopefully in f- further nights to come the top sports story, because not just this one moment, because, but primarily this one moment, it's 65, 16 on the clock, Fonzie catches up and takes the ball away in this play. That is as world-class as I'm, I'm going to go out here. That is the type of skill that, Messi and Ronaldo have right that that Mbappe has Fonzie has showed that in that moment uh Torontonians Canadians Edmontonians Reginians uh we get behind those types of moments we get behind those types of of folks and types of figures and and say he's our guy um you know just looking ahead to November Edmontonians he's your guy go support him at home uh get behind him Drake is behind him get behind your guy Fonzie. Yeah, I think I, I think uh, you know it'll be very interesting to see what the crowds and, and whatnot are like. I mean, I think there's mm-hmm. some momentum in Toronto now, um, so it's it, it'll be interesting to see again, if, especially if it's cold. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they want that cold sort of advantage, um, and we'll and we'll preview that window in a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. definitely. Uh, we all want to see a packed house at Commonwealth or whatever it is, but uh, yeah, I don't know. And you were saying, Matthew, you know, the Edmonton soccer scene pretty well. If haven't mm-hmm. lived there, that uh, it doesn't seem like they support soccer super duper well in Edmonton. So I don't know. We'll see. Do, do you, I guess I'll ask you just quickly, just really mm-hmm. quickly, like two, three word answer if you can. Like, do you think? Do you think that, like the Edmonton soccer scene is in a place where they are going to respond well to this? It depends. <laughs> and, and basically we'll see if this is the catalyst to change something. Um, depends on what kind of attention is being put onto it 
before the game. I also know, I know this is more than three words. I know a lot of folks from across the country are going to travel to Edmonton in November. And yeah. if you're thinking of going, it's not as bad as you think. It's like cold <laughs> as manageable. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's also global warming, so it'll be okay. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, Gourley back into the game, I guess, you know, the, you know, the, the, there's the, the thing that another thing that's really great and really important about this men's national team is it's very likable. Right. And mm-hmm. um, you know, the next two goals in the game, the third and the fourth scored by, well, I don't know who's more likable other than Alfonso on this team really than, than Tejan Buchanan really like he's, mm-hmm. you know, putting his ears up to Mexican fans. Like, you know, I can't hear you. And, and he's just public enemy number one in Mexico right now. He's lighting it up and he shows up on big nights and, and I think they really missed him in uh, in Jamaica, and uh, you know scores a, just a beautiful header. You know scored a big header for the New England Revolution against TFC. I remember after sort of that breakout <laughs> performance against Mexico those those months ago. But um, again, you know in the Gold Cup, and, and people kind of were like, "Wow, he can head the ball too." Uh, you know, is, is there anything at this point that Tejan Buchanan can't do? I mean, you ever like, are we getting to a point where he's you know either on on par with? Johnny David in terms of, you know, sort of a must must have every single time he's in the lineup, that kind of thing. I I think we'll see if there's going to be some rotation there, but you know, it, it seems incredible to think around the time of Olympic qualifying, he was on the Olympic team instead of being on the national team. I and mean, they certainly um, didn't pick or choose. If you were good enough to be on the national team, you're on the national team. If you were sitting on the bench. Um, so he wasn't even in the squad at that point in things. And now I think he's a guaranteed starter unless you're doing squad rotation. He's basically, I think, taken uh, Jonathan Osorio's role and I guess Junior Hood to some extent as well because um, he deserves it. He's performing really well and he's versatile. You can play him sort of close to the front in a three or he can play, you know, on the wing as he did with Larray on the opposite side in Panama. So, um, yeah, his stature just continues to grow and you're seeing almost a little bit of a, <clears throat> an attacking trio of three guys that are have some similar qualities. Now, obviously, Laren's a little bit different, but uh, you know the fact that they didn't miss Laren a ton, I mean, it would have been great to have him in Jamaica, obviously, but um, you know, I really thought missing Laren was going to be something we could we might end up feeling in Pan- against Panama, but it certainly uh, didn't play out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Matt Matthews and that. Well, just thinking back to the Jamaica game, you know, there's there's the recipe here of Fonzie, Joe David, uh, Tejan, Richie, uh, those four together that we didn't have uh, against Jamaica so much. I mean, yeah, we had Alistair and Sam Adekubi on the wings and uh, to start, and those are way much more defensive minded players. And I love them for their defensive play, but uh, the, the, the mindset and the, skill going forward if you have those four together you you do have a recipe for explosions <laughs> and offensive explosions like we saw on wednesday that yeah uh really what you're saying you know he if we're if we're going for three points if we're putting out our a team Tijon buchanan is on our a team he's going to be even more so more important when he gets minutes in bruges and then uh whatever team he's on after that uh i, I will say you know bringing up Alistair Johnston and Tejan Buchanan after the, at the pub, after the game, uh, I was talking with Regina legend, Voyager's legend, Robin and boom, talking about, yep. (laughs) Talking about Tejan Buchanan and Alistair Johnston. And we can list so many other players and, um, you know, and no shade at all to CPL lovers, but we'll say, you know, you know, who knew 
about Tejan Buchanan a few years ago, you know, it was Bruce Arena, right? He he brought him up and let, lifted him up. Same with Mark Anthony K in, in LA with Bob Bradley, right? That similar story of MLS giving players, these young Canadian players, even though it, we were done dirty, they aren't counted as domestic players. I wish they were, but they were still, these guys were still given this opportunity to learn under some of the best coaches in North American history, bar none, uh, to develop and to, to play in these high intensity, high stakes games, high stakes, this high stakes league that is getting better and better all the time. And they've made the most of that opportunity. So I mean, Fonzie's a little bit that story, but you know, he, uh, he, he really applied his trade in Bayern, but yeah. Uh, credit to what, just a shout out to what MLS has done for, for this Canadian men's national team as well. That's a good right. point about Bradley and Arena both giving them chances. Cause I mean, you look at a guy like Brian White, who's now in the CPL and he was a guy, the, the, New England roster, and I sort of thought, oh, you know, Tayshawn Buchanan's draft. I thought, well, it's another guy that will get 10 minutes a season that we won't hear about for two years kind of deal. And But Bruce Arena saw something on him right away and gave him a chance, which you don't get a lot of in MLS, especially with Canadian players. The other point I was going to make is that um, obviously uh, Johnston and Buchanan really benefit from being in the NCAA. Mm-hmm. And sure. um, I know a lot of people really dismiss that as, as a pathway, and I think they shouldn't. Um, I really see a lot of value, especially at the, you know, you're 18, 19 years old to kind of fall into place. You're playing at not a bad level, but you're sort of expected to be that key playmaker or the guy that finishes chances or kind of a leader, you know, in different ways. And I think a lot of guys grow into that role and kind of are able to parlay getting that experience as opposed to being a role player in a professional club or struggling to get minutes, whatever the case may be. Um, there's been a lot of examples of guys in NCAA, particularly um, attacking players like you see with Tejon, but also Kyle Lairns and also another obvious choice. Um, I think it's been okay for Canada. And obviously the CPL is great. And I think different people are sort of do better on different pathways. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if you need to be in the NCAA for more than two or three years, probably, but I think it's a, it's, it's a good stepping stone. I think it's proven that in the last, uh, in this cycle. Yeah, you know, you need to go in any sport to develop. You need minutes and like, good point. You need to be in uh, a place uh, where you're relied on um, and where you can thrive. You need to be in a position to succeed and you need minutes. And um, NCAA definitely gives you minutes. And if you fail and there's not that many people watching, so you can try a few things. (laughs) And um, yeah, and obviously other other nationalities. Think about Julian Gressel and how it's given him a, a very solid MLS career to go through that that NCAA road. Dom Dwyer, um, you know, obviously older older guys. Uh, it happened uh, every time, pretty much, because that's where MLS got its player a lot of its players from uh, for a long time before the the really big money came in. But I don't want to get too much into the history of the MLS. Yeah. Um, but there you go. So there is there is a point for uh, NCAA. But um, yeah, I guess. One, if you guys have one tiny little last point, uh, I don't want to move on before you guys feel like this game has gotten enough due. Um, but it's a 4 1 win for Canada, big one, uh, 10 points after six games. We'll talk about the window in a, in a whole in general, but you guys get 30 seconds each if you want it to wrap a bow on this game. I'll go uh, say the one last point about Fonzie. I was falling in love with him. I said for a while, you know, 
the one thing he needs to do finally is have the goal scorer mentality. He has the speed. He has the skill. He has the smarts. He has, he's figured out the defensive side, but he's passed first and sure. That's, that's great in his toolkit, but also when he knows to shoot first and he saw, he said in the post game, finally, that was his mindset. He is on track to become the greatest men's player in Canadian history. When he keeps building up that, that goal scoring mentality. That's a great point. When you got Robert Lewandowski in the middle, uh, you better give him the ball. <laughs> True, <laughs> you know. But for Canada, you know, for Canada, you don't have Robert unless Robert Lewandowski wants to find a way to switch from Poland to Canada. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. I think he's a little bit cap tied. All right, Gurley, your thirty seconds. Go. Um, I, something that the bat mentioned that I didn't really agree with, but I think that was the greatest performance individually by a mess national team player ever. You know, he could have set up Dave, David for two goals as well. Those are great chances. Um, I think the larger point, playing him in that free role, mm-hmm. we saw him there uh, on the anniversary of that 2 nil match against the U.S. He had a similar free role where he was able to find the game. I think that really suits him. I know, obviously, he's dangerous on the left. I think he's easier to defend when he's really wide there. We do have good wide players. I think we saw what he can do, pulling the strings and finding different spaces. Um, there's a little bit of a danger at times. He tries to be a little bit too individual and feel like he needs to to be the guy and put all that on his shoulders and try and make things happen. But boy, on Wednesday, he, he did make it happen. He made everything happen for us. So I think that was, uh, he just really put the team on his shoulders and, you know, it's, it's great to see. And I hope we don't need that too often, but it's great to know that uh, he's capable of that level. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very fun to watch. And, uh, Loved the uh, last point I'll make about Fonzie's goal is I loved uh, one of my favorite things about that goal. There's a lot of things I liked about it. I think everybody would agree with that, mm-hmm. but I loved Mejia's response reaction in the <laughs> Panamanian net where he was just the second it hit it, Fonzie's foot, it was like, oh no. Kinda, <laughs> he kind of looked like Eeyore from uh, Winnie the Pooh all of a sudden uh, in the in the Panamanian net. All respect in the world to. Luis Mejia, who's uh, Panamanian national team, are you know where the Panamanian fans and countries media thinks that they should be, and that is four in Concacaf. So you know it's kind of where it's boiling down. I don't think the Panamanians are too um, freaked out about this. They're disappointed, obviously, but I don't think it doesn't seem like they're they're freaked out as much as that that video that goes is going around <laughs> Twitter of that uh, those Panamanian pundits losing their mind after the the Alfonso goal, but. Again, third third game in the in the window. Not a lot of rotation. Not too much rotation, anyways, for Panama, and uh, and just like El Salvador in the first window, get thumped in uh, Toronto. Should be interesting. We move forward, though. We gotta. I know we could talk about this game forever, and we'll talk about it again uh, one day. But um, you know, November window coming up. Canada will take on Costa Rica and Mexico in El Salvador. Uh, but before we go there. Um, you know, we'll start with you, uh, Nugs. Uh, mm-hmm. Were you happy with this window overall? Again, uh, yeah, I mean, two draws and a win. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, part of the way we look at this is the sequence of games, right? If Jamaica had been first and then Mexico and Panama, we'd be over the moon. Um, we're we're kind of over the moon, anyways. I still do wish we had taken three points from Jamaica. I think we. That was our opportunity there. But, uh, I mean, the, the most significant thing is how we beat Panama, how we exploded, how we went down, how Panama had 
uh, a good chunk of time where they were trying to walk her around, but uh, we kept them from walking it in. And and then we exploded for for for, for well, three goals in the second half. Uh, the statement that we've made this window is, is you know we made a statement to world football. I'm looking forward, and this is again, I'm going to pre- preface my line. It, we've made a statement. Let's start writing the manifesto. There you go. All right, Gourley, this window. Are you happy? Yeah, happy enough. I mean, it it did the job. It could have been better. Um, I think we're we're on track to where we need to be, but certainly absolutely zero accomplished and not not necessarily even on pace. I mean, it's it's okay. Um uh, you still feel like that Jamaica match was a, a bit of a missed opportunity. I think they will need to probably win a match on the road mm-hmm. to qualify in third. And that felt like a really good chance just given the way Jamaica was, was playing and where they were at in terms of health and stuff. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, they do have later trips coming up to Costa Rica and to El Salvador and also obviously Honduras. Um, that may be, matches where those teams don't have a lot to play for which could be to an advantage certainly should help with the crowd and atmosphere mm-hmm. um but obviously the must win was the, the last match they got that yeah. uh they walk into another must win against costa rica um and then i think they'll need to beat either mexico or the u.s at home i think four points out of those would go a huge way to getting to qatar but um if they do beat uh, costa rica and then mexico they're they're absolutely on the cusp, but um, right now they need that Costa Rica win as much as they need the panel win. It's, it's a must have. And so um, there's still a lot of work to do and I don't want to throw too much cold water on the enthusiasm because mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm super excited. It was a great Wednesday, um, but there is a little bit of a sense I feel creeping in that uh, maybe the hard work's been done or we're on our way. And I just, it, that is, I think, far from the case Mm -hmm. there's a lot of work to do and a lot of big matches that are Mm -hmm. probably going to be bigger um and and more epic than uh, the panama match was so uh lots of work to do that was this makes it fun right if it was was easy it wouldn't be as (laughs) much fun yeah we're we're like we're wounded too like i mean we're canadian men's national soccer team fans we're wounded human beings so um, you know, and you're absolutely right, Gourley. I think there's a lot of work to do. And I think that, you know, you talk about winning games on the road. Well, January 27th uh, in Honduras, Honduras looks horrendous, like mm. really, really awful. And talk about a wounded animal in Jamaica. Like there's been no life from Honduras. So um, no sign of life from Honduras. So, uh, you know, obviously there's a long time between now and then, but that could be, one where Canada really, really needs mm-hmm. to, to do the business even and, and maybe ex- exercise some demons, but yes. that's, that's a, that's a Let's long predict the score line there. Just kidding. Uh, that, yeah. 700 <laughs> for Canada and negative <laughs> 2,900 for hundred. No. Sure. Um, so, you know, then we go into like selection mm-hmm. and obviously we can't control, we don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen in terms of injuries and right. all that stuff. But the, the one name that, that I think about that I desperately want to see that hasn't been around in these windows in that November is Scotty Arfield. You know, it's, it's ugly sometimes playing in Scotland. 
uh, you know, the, you're going to Knotts County and you're going to Ross County and you're going into <laughs> Kilmarnock and all whatever. And it's just horrible. And Celtic and Rangers or whatever is still expected to win. It doesn't matter. Like nobody cares, you know, <laughs> like, true. you know, so, uh, <laughs> you know, who knows what's going on with, with him and, and Herdman in Canada and whatever, but, mm-hmm. uh, we really need him. Do you agree, Matthew Nugabauer? Yeah, it would be nice. I mean, we ha- again, we have so much depth in midfield. Uh, we saw the subs, the, the K sub uh, on Wednesday. Uh, so, you know, we're, we've been, I mean, that's the, the weird thing is we've been okay without him. Uh, he, we, you know, when, you know, Atiba came in uh, against El Salvador, for example, that, that was also a big boon, but yeah, I mean, it would raise and elevate this extra level for me. I agree. Um, but I won't be, especially if he's not two feet in, I won't be lamenting his lack. Really? I feel like they need him more this window than they, they, they're they going to uh, in November. I mean, the November window is interesting just because there is the two matches and there's no travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that we'll see Hutchinson, if he's healthy, play play consecutive matches or certainly maybe not go terribly deep in both consecutive matches if he does start both. Uh, Vittoria might be in the same boat. Otherwise, I think you might see almost the same 11 both matches. And so, you know, if you, you start K1 match and give Hutchinson half an hour and start Hutchinson the other, uh, you know, I don't know that you really are going to miss not having Scotty Arfield. Um, that being said, I mean, if they wanted to bring him in and get him back incorporated in the squad and have him, you know, train with the group and maybe not play much, doesn't bother me. I and mean, I think he's one of our 23 best players. And I think he should be involved if he wants to be. And I, I, I do feel like he's probably committed. It sounds like he's open to it. I mean, maybe he doesn't say enough to, to plead that he wants to be involved with John Herdman. But he, I mean, if I were him looking at what's going on, knowing how close you could possibly be to a world cup and you've already put in, you know, he's traveled, he's played in different qualifiers, you know, he's, he's, he's sacrificed some for this country. And I appreciate that. And I think if he wants to be involved, I think for footballing reasons, there's no reason why he shouldn't be involved. I think he's an upgrade on some of the people we have in those positions. And um, I think he makes us better. Honestly, yeah. uh, go ahead, Jamie. No, you go ahead, Matthew. Well, I was going to say, honestly, the bigger question for me is which Jonathan David is going to show up. And if that sounds harsh, uh, he did get his goal. But um, after that pass, and it was maybe eighth minute where he looked to pass, where he had a wide open shot. Fonzie in the post game interview uh, said he had to, he went over and said, you know, you're a goal scorer, take the shot. Um, you know, and, and again, we were talking about with uh, at the pub with, with, Voyagers, Regina Legend, Rob Norton, Boom, asking you the what's shake. the difference? Yeah, what's the difference between Canada and Lille? And, and Rob was saying, you know, at Lille, he's able to get balls up over the top and play century right into the six-yard box. And we did. He was able to do that a little bit against Panama. Uh, we did try that ball over the top. Rob was saying we play so wide, right? We have Tejon, Richie, and 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 Fonzie coming in, cutting into that space. Where where David likes to go, really made me think of what you said uh, with the the Jamaica game or whichever uh, a few podcasts ago about how David would do better with the cutback. What uh, what David's been great at is drawing defenders away so that the other wide speedsters can cut in and get space. Um, I'm wondering. I don't know if he should formally set up as a false nine and just. Uh, you know, look to play at the various when we have the ball, look to play a little shallow, a little 
shallower in the 18 yard box, maybe closer to the penalty spot, create that space. He can finish from the, 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 the penalty spot. He can finish from out there. No problem. Creating that space, giving the defenders the problem. Do I play in more shallow playing closer to the net to guard Bonzi and Richie and them, or do I go out and cover, cover Jonathan David, give them, give the defenders more of that problem. And, I, again, I, the reason I'm wondering about a false nine or, or, or not sure about it is because I do like his press uh, when we don't have the ball. But um, there could be moments where he could play. I mean, the false nine, uh, I mean, you know, footy 101 is sort of like a, a, a super, super attacking midfielder who goes all the way to the forward. So, uh, yeah, uh, that, those are the questions there. What is Jonathan David's mentality mindset going into this window as well? I, mean, I don't get the sense from Herdman talking about David that there's a, a mentality in terms of effort or caring or oh sure you know, that kind of problem at all. I mean, I get the sense that you know he's maybe overthinking. Maybe he feels like he needs to be banging it in, or he's useless, yeah. or who knows what's going on. Yeah, Obviously, John I, I don't is a mean, quieter guy. I don't mean his but. effort or his his much, how much he cares. So, yeah, he he cares. He's given the work. There's just there's something about he actually. I mean. Joe David be more selfish is what I'm saying. Sure. At. Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, it, I gotta, we gotta, you gotta wrap this up real soon, but uh, you know, Gurley jump in. Yeah, go ahead. I just think um, with, with David, I think he draws a lot of attention um, with Canada. And I think Laren's benefited from that somewhat. Um, I also feel that, you know, with him and Laren, they both don't necessarily want to be that classic number nine target guy, even though they both are suited to that role. And so I think they generally kind of find space and play off each other and take turns kind of who goes where and who drifts a little bit wider, who comes a little bit deeper to play for the ball and stuff. I think that works okay when they're both doing it. So I'm not too worried about positioning and being really strict into what's a false nine and who's, who's the nine and who's playing on the, on the wing or whatever. Um, I think they're getting that good understanding together. One thing about Lil that's kind of interesting is um, certainly within the little players, but I think also obviously the defense against them, you know, Barack Ilmaz gets the attention. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're a lot of those players look for Ilmaz as their first option when they're in the, in the final third and, and Ilmaz draws a lot of attention defensively. So that does allow David to kind of find pockets, find little bits of space because he does have someone else who's, who's garnering attention, which is kind of amazing given the amount of goals that David's scoring. I mean, they don't leave him alone or anything, but you know, mm-hmm. um, with Canada, he does draw a ton of attention. But one thing we did see in the Panama match is with Davies at Central, all of a sudden, you know, that chance where he passed it up, the two defenders both immediately just sprinted <laughs> yeah. straight out to close mm-hmm. down Davies. He just put a little slip blast between the two of them, and Davies behind them with the whole net. I mean, and it got to give credit to Mejia, who got off his line quickly. And I think mm-hmm. um, he wasn't necessarily had the, the ball where he wanted to to shoot as, as Mejia came charging out, and he made that little split second decision to pass, which obviously uh, was probably the wrong decision. But I think. You know, I I don't think he overthought. I think it just was an instinct to where he was going to shoot, and then he saw me he hit you know his face and just quickly laid it off. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm not over. I'm not overly worried about that. He's a, a pretty good shoot first kind of guy most of the time, anyway. And uh, you know, he uh, he'll get his goals. I, I have a lot of faith in Jonathan David, uh, but I think getting Larry back and having David or uh, Davy, pardon me, um, in that little bit more of a central role really is going to help uh, David find a little more space to, to hopefully do things and, and bury some chances. 
Yeah, and it worked for Alfonso, obviously, setting up Ozo in Mexico. Um, I almost felt like Canada was closer to three points in Mexico than they were in Jamaica. But I mean, other than other than Liam Miller banging, you know, that 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 terror, that miss and whatever, and and Alfonso, we talked about the Jamaica game ad nauseum already. But um, someone you know mentioned that we go, I wish we had three points in Jamaica. I'm like, I wish we had three points in Azteca. But uh, you know, what a world we live in. Anyways, last last question before we uh, before we wrap this up. How much fun is this? So this whole oh, yeah. like oh, octagon. I mean, Canada notwithstanding, obviously, but um, you know everybody's losing their mind. Americans are losing their mind, and then they're in rapturous joy. You know, Panamanians are losing their minds. You know, Jamaica's about to lose its mind. Like it's just it's just uh, <laughs> psycho. And and uh, you know, I don't like. I was talking to. Uh, people about being a Leaf fan in the playoffs last year, it was almost like, I was like, is this what the World Cup is kind of like? Like every game, you just can't breathe for 90 minutes? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Matt, Matthew Neugebauer, how much fun are you having kind of following this, being being in the thick? We actually are part of this. Yeah, uh, again, credit to Voyager's organization. Uh, just, I'm going to throw this plug out. Thevoyagers.org, uh, $20, sign up, get access to tickets. Uh, I mean, not free tickets, but you get get early access. Uh, yeah, we we've come together as this Canadian, this national family um, to to cheer on this team. Like I said, the future is here. Gurley, are you uh, enjoying it, or are you just in, in agony every game? Uh, I mean, I'm enjoy. I, I enjoy the agony at this point. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I'm part of the agony. I was born of the agony. Um, you know, I watched some of the, the Columbia Ecuador match and, you know, 60, 70,000 people all wearing yellow. It was complete madness at the end, two VARs. This stuff is so much fun. Um, you know, and the hex as always was great fun to watch. Even when we weren't involved, it was craziness and crazy atmospheres and to, ha- to have a stake in it is just so much more fun this year, uh, mm-hmm. this time around. Um, obviously going to matches, I love doing it no matter when and where. Um, but having these big, big matches is so much fun. I can't wait for Edmonton, uh, you know, two matches, bang, bang, hopefully a lot of traveling people coming to, uh, I do think Edmonton is going to get behind the group really well. They, they certainly did back in the day. Uh, I haven't had many opportunities lately to show what they can do, but I, I think for the big matches, Edmonton shows up pretty good. So hoping they do as well. And, uh, um, uh, we knew it would happen if we ever had a little bit of success, but it, it's great that people are starting to get on board with the bandwagon and, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. The atmosphere looked fantastic in Toronto. So credit to everyone who was there for bringing it. Uh, it was great to see uh, on TV, and uh, we're looking forward to being part of it as well. Awesome! All right, Edmonton, November, Costa Rica, Mexico. We resume the madness for everybody here at the For Many People Strength Podcast. Matthew Nugubara, thanks for joining. Hope you had fun. Oh yeah, it's a blast. Gour- <laughs> Gourley, thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Good to have good to be here. And uh, I might have a baby between now and the next time we record, uh, or next time there's a window. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, yeah, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll uh, we'll catch you next time on the For Many People Strength podcast.